Hey everybody, Shane Presley here with Rock Paper Podcast. Let me tell you about this fun event coming up on March 29th over at the Babylon in St. Peter's, Missouri. I am part of this show with my friends uh, JPS Productions and 100.7 The Viper. And we are very excited to bring along Troy, Dark Below, Sumpwater Shine, Echoes from Ashes, and Bleach. It's a uh, $5 cover, five bands, five bucks. It's going to be an incredible night of rock and roll. You don't want to miss out on this. Uh, so tell all your friends to come on out and pack the Babylon. Again, uh, tickets are available right now. If you uh, head over to the Facebook event and uh, get you a link over there. And all that information is more on my page. So check it all out and join us Friday night, March 29th at the Babylon. Uh, I also want to tell you about my friends at Naked Vine, located at 1624 Clarkson Road in Chesterfield, Missouri. Uh, swing by and visit them this week for some great live music. Uh, on Thursday, March 28th, my buddy Bobby Stevens will be out there. And this is also a benefit night for Leukemia and Lymphoma so- Society. So come out for a great cause and uh, and see Bobby Stevens and uh, plenty of wine, whiskey, and tequila and beer so uh on friday march 29th jake's leg out there uh, acoustic so it's gonna be a fun night of all your favorite dead songs and on saturday march 30th falling martins will uh, be out there so check all that out at more at uh, nakedvine.net be sure to follow along on facebook twitter and instagram and i returned to naked vine on april 9th for my singer songwriter storytelling showcase uh this april i'll have carson mann hillary fitz and jordan sloan of hounds and uh that's five dollar cover seven o'clock start so come on out and last but not least i want to let you know about my friends at J- uh, joseph meyer club you can head over to josephmeyerclub.com today and try their brand new aftershave. Uh, use my promo code RPPJMC20 for an exclusive 20% off at checkout. Uh, try it. You're going to love it. I, uh, I use it myself, and it's it's a fantastic product. So, again, josephmeyerclub.com. Follow them on Facebook for some more uh, information. And, um, yeah. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, podcast is kind of like a... It's like a radio show that's not on the radio. It's on It's on the internet. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's also like my mom. Uh, it makes it sound more confusing, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds like this. This is Andrew Dahl of Andrew and the Dolls, and you're listening to Rock Paper Podcast. Rock Paper Podcast. Hey everybody, Shane Presley, your Rock Paper Podcast, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, hanging out today with Andrew Dahl. Welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. This, yeah, this is cool. I'm glad uh, this worked out. We, uh, it's our first time getting to really uh, hang out. We uh, kind of been friendly online for a while, and then, uh, what was it, like Point Fest or something? Uh, yeah, Point Fest. Yeah. We, we ran into each other. Yeah, we ran into uh, at uh, out there at uh, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, hanging yep. out there, uh, which... Uh, 
was was crazy to that he recognized me and all that. You're like, hey, I was you like, Shan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I listen. Um, that's why I'm excited to be here, man. I listen to your podcast a lot. Very cool. Well, like I said, you. when I pulled up my my uh, um, internet, I, you, you, I had Rock Paper Podcast up. Yeah, right. I like seeing what everybody's up to. And I mean, you're such a you're doing you're doing God's work right now. Shan. <laughs> well, thanks, man. For a lot of us, so it's a it's a big deal. So I'm uh, I mean I've said it a lot on this show, but. Uh, I'm having the time of my life doing this, man. I'm meeting all kinds of cool people around town and, and getting to share their songs and stories. And it's just been great, man. But uh, this, that's what's cool about this show, having this opportunity where we can sit down and get to know more about each other and, and uh, you know, not trying to scream over at a bar or whatever, you know, something like that. So anyway, uh, but I, uh, I don't know a whole lot about about Andrew. I know, uh, I know I've seen you a couple of videos online and a little bit about your music, but... Uh, you always grew up around here in St. Louis, or did you move here? Or? Yeah, I'm born and raised here. I went away. I went to Quincy, Illinois, for college for a while, and then came right back. Yeah, um, it's just I you know I like the Midwest and travel a lot, and this has always been a good home base for sure. Man. You know, got my friends group around here. And yeah, support uh, a family. Yeah, that's always good. Do they play too, or is that? Um, you know, my family. I've got my older brother who is kind of a big inspiration for me. Um, he's really good at playing and singing and, and, uh, you know, you always want to be better than your siblings. And so he got a wife and he, you know, he's got a kid on the way, so he doesn't have time to really ever pursue, uh, music. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it and I'm going to, I'm going to try and be better than my other brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is this, uh, is this something fairly new or you've been playing for a long time? I've been playing, I've been just playing covers and, um, been really into music for a long time. I mean, I started playing guitar when I bought an old Crate Electra for my buddy back in middle school, and we thought we were going to start this band. None of us could actually play a lick of music. Right. <laughs> we were playing like Smoke on the Water, and I'm sure at like four different tempos and in like three different keys. But you know, it was we were trying, and we'd get together in my buddy's basement, and that never, you know, obviously never took off, and. I never revisited the idea until <clears throat> I started um, hanging out at open mic nights, and then you know over time people are like, "Man, you should really, you should really do something with this." And I'm like, "Cool, I appreciate that." And that was probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Oh, so wow. I went from playing music in my basement and just kind of posting videos on Facebook to um, you know getting shows and. And I mean, a lot of my first shows came out of open mics. The, you know, Jeff over at Joni's, shout out to Joni's and Soulard. Um, you know, he only saw me at open mics and he was, he heard that I kind of wanted to do more with it. And he was like, dude, we would love to have you. So he's been booking me every month and it kind of just grew from there, you know? Yeah, man. That's incredible. Like to, to think that, uh, you know, we, we did do a little live jamming here today. And so I, yeah, I got to a good, uh, preview of what you're doing and like to think that you've only been doing this you know for a while now like you know like you're saying like two years I guess uh, really actively uh, that's pretty wild man thanks man yeah I'm excited I'm excited um, this last I mean the, the last year is really the, the time I spent sort of gigging and putting music out and um, not as an album, but you know, just videos online, mm -hmm. and the response I've got has been overwhelming, and I'm, it makes me really excited for the future. Really, 
I think the first thing I took notice to was uh, maybe that Sh Show Me Roots video. Oh, Show Me Roots. Yeah, uh, some of the video series that they're doing over there. And uh, I think that was one of the first things I, I remember uh, after we become friends and stuff, I saw that pop up. And um, I, don't know, I think that's part of it, too. Like, I don't know, not that I have any idea what your voice would sound like, but like I think I'm kind of taken back when you when you first start singing. It's like you don't you don't really quite expect that coming out, and sometimes, uh, and that's kind of the fun of it too. Is like, and then you you got that kind of a deeper and growl kind of in there, and that that rasp and everything, and it all sounds good, man. I like I said, I Thanks. I was really digging that, and then like I said, the stuff we did today. But uh, I'm excited for this record and think and see what else you guys are been coming up with. But uh, is is writing always been there though? Like, I mean, do you, did you find yourself writing a lot, or is these all kind of still the new too? You know, um, writing's varied now. Um, I think my first song I wrote was like October of last year. Whoa, man! And um, yeah, so it's all very new. It's all kind of just hit me, and and I've always been a very creative person. Always did art drawing and painting and, and stuff like that. So I kind of had the creative jumpstart, but I think it's funny when people say, oh, I could never write music. You know, you could. Yeah. I mean, the first songs I wrote were really shitty, <laughs> you know? And you just grow from there. I mean, every, every, time, I, every time I sort of, I go through like these creative um, cycles where I can write three songs in in three days mm -hmm. but that's like you know i can only do that maybe once every couple months right and i'll go through these spells of like just writing really terrible songs while i'm not like in this creative mood but every time i i do have one of those cycles i see i do see because i'm writing so many shitty songs that the next batch of good songs when i'm in my really creative mode um is is a step up and i'm like man I'm, you know my lyrics are getting better my storytelling is getting better um, you know, it's not just rhyming words anymore. It's gone beyond that and really kind of formulating stories and then, um, you know, kind of matching vowel sounds and stuff to what I actually want to say versus, oh, yeah, car rhymes with bar. Mm -hmm. I'll just rhyme those things, you know, <laughs> which is what, how it started. You know, that's sure. how everybody starts. Sure. You know, you pick, you pick a couple chords and you start rhyming words until... It makes some sort of sense, right? You know, I've I've talked about it a bunch on here, but like it's sort of a, a bucket list thing for me. Wanting to write some songs and and uh, I don't know. I'm sure. I'll, I mean, I'm I'm sure I'll sit down and I'll play myself one of these days. But I my have my problem is is shutting off everybody else's songs. I got so many you know lyrics and things stuck in my head from everybody else's songs all these years, and it's like so it's hard for me to kind of put that shut that off and create something original but yeah but i don't think it's a bad thing i think um i think that's a when you listen to somebody a, a big variation of different artists um i think the combination of everybody you've been listening to sort of creates your own voice right and i think it was john mayer that said you are um you are who you're tr you are who you are when you try and be somebody else but fall short and I think that's a great quote from him. He's like, you know, I've, I've always aspired to be all these different musicians. And so growing up, I tried to be just like them. I was never going to be just like them. Right. And I fell short, but now I'm John Mayer. You know, and it's like, it's like I mean, who hasn't had those influences? True. Who hasn't drawn inspiration from one artist to create their song? And if you hear major artists talk, you know, they're saying, you know, well, I really like that song from Towns Van Sant. And I, you know, I was so in love with it, I've created my own version of it. 
it's a different storyline, you know, a different, uh, you know, different chords and a different key and, and different notes, but you can see where they've drawn inspiration from that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think it's, you know, I don't think it's copyright at that point. I don't think it's, you know, a plagiarism. I think it's just, that's who you've become because of the influences you're around, you know? If it wasn't a musician you were being influenced by, it'd be your parents. You know, you'd be taking stuff from them and your 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 brothers and sisters. And oh so. yeah, they. Uh, you mentioned like right my three songs in three days kind of thing, and like just today I popped up on Facebook, and I don't, I, I didn't go fact check it, but uh, I want to believe it's probably accurate, pretty accurate. But they said that uh, they had a picture of Dolly Parton saying that she wrote. Uh, I will always love you and Jolene in the same day in 1976 or something like that. I was like, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about that. Writing two of the you know biggest songs uh, in the same exact day and stuff like. You think it's weird, but I think it's Willie Nelson that said it too. He said, if you don't, if you don't write a song in one sitting, it's no good. Yeah. And you know, people write songs in different ways. So if if that's not your style, then it's not your style. Sure. But I've I think there's a lot of truth in that. That, you know, you're in a mindset, at, you know, for a very short period of time. If I wake up tomorrow after I've had a, you know, a crazy dream or had a conversation with other people, I'm in a different mindset. I'm not having that same feeling. I'm not, um, and especially if it's if it's a if it's a storytelling song like her Jolene or something. You know, if you're in that mood and you're you are that person, how do you break away, go grab a sandwich? And you know, go have a conversation with your friends, or go to a bar, and then come back and be that same person. Right. It's tough, you know. So it's like, I be- I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Um, I think the songs that have taken me weeks to write versus hours are always weaker. I think you know, it's like they've been diluted. Right. But the stuff that I really like to play, and you know, and I think people like to listen to, um, are very strong because they've they were written in the moment. And I sat down and I'm like, I gotta finish this before I get up and you know go get something to eat, so. Uh, well, cool. uh, well, speaking of all this uh, songwriting, let's drop in one of your one of your tunes, give them a little uh, preview of some of our live acoustic stuff we were doing today. Uh, let's start with Crabgrass. This is a, uh, is this, uh, anything you wanna share on this one? Yeah, Crabgrass is, um, it's kind of, it was inspired by a lot of people around me sort of going through cancer and um, and sort of the feeling of like um, losing loved ones in this situation this is sort of a storytelling because I'm not I'm not the protagonist in this in this story and so I've kind of put myself in the in the in the position of a blue-collar worker who's been you know working his life away finally found somebody that you know makes him happy and is worth living for and um, who becomes his wife and in the end, he feels really guilty about losing her because, you know, he feels like he wasn't worth anything without her. And now, you know, she dies before he does, even though he was drinking and smoking and everything. And and he asks the question, like, you know, is now me living on, is my life worth um, the price you paid? Because he feels so guilty about losing her. And so that's sort of what it's about. Cool. This first one's called uh, Crabgrass. Line and 
selling my body for less than what it's worth. At the end of the day, I would ration my wages for cigarettes and a little plot of dirt. I had given up on life, didn't have the money nor the time. Wasn't worth the hole my boots were standing in. But then you came around and you pulled me up from the ground. You're an angel, truly heaven sent. Dear Rosie, my friend, tell me in the end when they lay my cold body in the clay. My soul haven't worth the price you paid, dear Rosie, dear Rosie. I got a job with the state, we moved my trailer to the lake, and you kept me fed and fat as a tick. I got my guitar out of pawn, but we had crabgrass for a lawn. No money, but we somehow still felt rich. Tell me, in the end, when they lay my cold body in the clay, will my soul have been worth the price you pay?
one thing I noticed when you were were performing the song was the songwriting uh, and the storytelling on that because that's really something I just am drawn to is the the storytelling in, in the songs and stuff. So uh, I was particularly fond of that and uh, and the fact that like you're saying how like you can kind of take on that that role as a writer and stuff, kind of telling that story and things. It's uh it's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah, I think I mean I think the the the, the idea is to try and give people things to hold on to you know if, if you just only tell people ideas without really kind of putting them in their shoes and giving them the tiny details I don't think people really relate to characters mm -hmm. you know you have to talk about their dogs that died and how they have crabgrass for a lawn that's how it gets its name because there's yeah. that line in there that says you know we had crabgrass for a lawn and I think you know those little things that you give people really create an image and mm -hmm. Um, so it paints a picture. Yeah, definitely. That, and that, that's something I talk about a lot too. Is uh, is the, when the, listening to those songs like that, and then I kind of I I start making the you know painting the picture in my mind like that, and it's something um, I think about too. Is like is maybe some someday trying to my hand at making music videos and stuff because I often I'll I'll start picturing all of it, all the stuff in my head, and I'm like that could make a good video mm -hmm. or something or whatever it might be and uh so someday i'd like to try to uh, apply all that but uh that's kind of that's kind of the goal with these cameras maybe someday i'll learn enough about these and start trying to do that but yeah that'd be awesome man with it with as as much as you've learned about podcasts and you've been killing it for 600 and <laughs> yeah. whatever number you've been at yeah. i'm sure you could try your hand at, at music videos and do an excellent job yeah it's it's uh i think it'll be fun man i just like i said it help kind of making those stories come to life like that like i said there's a there's a lot of really uh really good imagery and you're mm -hmm. in that song especially and then that you know a lot of other songs that people it's just been it'd be fun to kind of make that come to life and tell that story yeah that'd be cool yeah you uh is uh now now when you're writing something like that is that like do you draw from a piece of you know truth uh, or is it all do you do you often uh, fictionalize all this stuff and um, you know it's it's a little bit of both yeah. I mean the feelings are very real um, you know I've never I've never been married and never lost you know a, a spouse to cancer but this feelings are still real real for me losing friends to cancer my mom went through cancer and I was scared to death I was gonna lose her and um, so you know those feelings are very real and I'm when I wrote that, man, I was holding back tears because it was, it was putting me, I was in a spot. That's why I couldn't get up and, and, and stop doing what I was doing because I was in that mood and I was like, I really want to sell this story to other mm -hmm. people and have them feel what I'm feeling. Um, but a lot of the little details like, you know, um, the crabgrass. Dude, I only have crabgrass in my life. And so, you know, I'm trying to think of things like, you know, what can I put of my own personality of like, um, so that it gives, it gives this, this, this character a sense of realness versus it just being a, you know, a figment of my imagination. What can, what pieces could I, I draw from that? And I think, you know, um, I had to draw some pieces from my life for it, for sure. Yeah. It's funny how like, you're saying like crabgrass line sticks out and stuff and how, um, just like one, one line can just like really like, just make the whole make the whole song sometimes like that and stuff like this that one attention to detail and one that's been like really uh sticking with me of late um do you you ever listen to john moreland i don't you uh, know he's one of my favorite writers um 
He's got a record uh, called In the Throws that came out like the same. I, I, I think they came out the exact same day as Jason Isbell's um, Southeastern record. Okay, that, so that, a little while ago. Yeah, and he's, John since put out, uh, I think, two other records uh, since that. But anyway, but those came out the same day along with something else but they called it like Americana Christmas or something like that like uh-huh. you know because all these great records came out the same day and but uh, so anyway John and, and Jason's records are like since then I've always like just been you know I have to listen if I listen to one I have to go listen to the other kind of thing so but there's a there's a line in, uh, in John's uh, he's got a song on there called Blues and Kudzoo and there's a line where he says um uh, a choir of cicadas and box fans and I'm like man that is like the most country thing I've ever heard of like a choir of cicadas yeah, yeah that's like, be, that paints a huge picture I mean right who hasn't been you know out in the you know the sticks in a cabin somewhere for sure even if it's just on a float trip and just you know cicadas and box fans yeah, yeah. That, that gives you feelings you know it goes way beyond just knowing that sound right that's what I mean. Like that's that's it just speaks to me. Like I said, that was a lot of my childhood. Like growing up in in the country, and yeah, we had we always had box fans, and we always and there's always cicadas around and stuff uh, when they were in season and stuff, and sitting out there buzzing and all that. But um, but yeah, anyway, it's just funny. I like those one one line will stick out like that, and like man, that's a good one, really. But uh, you, uh, we mentioned uh, working on uh, the record. I guess this will be your big debut right yeah this will be my debut album I haven't put out anything I put out small recordings but yeah nothing as big as this I guess if you can even call it big relatively large (laughs) right for what I've been doing I guess and crabgrass will appear on the it will yeah it's gonna take the spot of a song I'm not so fond of I'm fond enough of it but now when now when you take it to for the record I mean what is it gonna are you doing a pretty minimalist uh, approach to it? Are you are you beefing it up a little bit? Um, you know, it's it's not over the top, but it's not bare bones. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got um, I've got like Gavin playing banjo on a couple of tunes, Gavin McNutt, and um, I've got like Megan Yankowska is doing female vocals and stuff. So I'm I'm it's not just me and a guitar for sure, um, but it's not. Is it still mostly acoustic, or are you doing some electric in there too? Uh, it's mostly acoustic. There, there's going to be an electric guitar, you know, like a Nashville sounding Telecaster, and some of them, and um, um, some of them. But otherwise, it's just going to be pretty much my acoustic guitar, bass, some banjo, and um, we've got a violin and some of some of pianos. Yeah, very cool. A little bit of everything, just kind of to, depending on the song, feel mm-hmm. the song and. And I've I've kind of gone back and forth whether or not, uh, like the songs that do have piano in there, I love that I love the piano on them, and I've kind of been like, do I hold those back, and do something with that later where it kind of matches the sound better, or do I just sort of try and do like a gradient effect on the songs where, you know, it starts very bare bones or something and goes to more instruments or vice versa, or mm-hmm. I haven't really decided on that yet. Like I said, it's still kind of. We've got a bunch of the recordings done, but we're, it's still sort of being molded into what I kind of want it to be, which is why the launch is being pushed out. We're going to release some singles but um, that we know are going to be on there, but otherwise, I don't have a title for it. It's untitled album so far. And 
Yeah, I, I don't know exactly uh, what the quote was, but you know, it's like you got forever to make your first record, you know. But then it's like the, the, the sophomore yeah, albums. Yeah, the next one is when you got a you got a crunch time trying to get you know get a create another one because that's when everybody's gonna be wanting more and stuff. And well, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they don't want more, you got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody was also telling me something the other day. Uh, uh, I forget the guy's name now, but. It, he did like one record in the seventies, and you know, kind of country singer guy, and and everybody's always like, "Hey, man, when are you gonna do another album?" He's like, "Well, what the what's wrong with the first one?" <laughs> you know, he's like, "That's a good that's a good line." Though. Yeah, yeah, that's so. Um, that's funny. But yeah, anyway, but uh, so keep an eye out. Maybe we'll get that. Uh, what do you? I mean, are you, are you guessing summer, fall, or something? Or I'm hoping you, summer. Yeah, yeah. I've got. Um, Megan Yankowskis is doing clarinet on a couple of the pieces. I didn't even mention that, but yeah. she's an amazing clar- uh, clarinet player. Is clarinetist the word? Probably not. <laughs> and um, she, I mean, our vocals, I, I had her, I was like, do you do vocals? And she did one backup vocal for me at one point, and I was like, holy cow, you're doing backup vocals for this rest of this album. She even has on one of the songs, she has her own verse and stuff. And I'm like, um, I'm just really blown away with how good our voices sound together. And she's moving to Germany, and like in the May. So I'm like, ah, we got to get all your stuff done in May, by May, right? You know, and that'll if we do that, it'll give us me a little. I'm thinking May, you know, June and July, I, I can finish up recordings, and hopefully in July everything can get sent off to um, Nick Blackburn, who's gonna mix all my stuff. Very and, cool. Uh, and so, so hopefully we have a mix and mastered. Uh, album by August, hopefully. Yeah, man. Well, that'd be exciting for sure. Uh, let's give him another one. You said this was a, a newer song you wrote and kind of bumped another one off of the record, maybe a, a Gasoline? Yeah, Gasoline um, is just sort of like a, I needed a little more energy in the album, I think. And so this one's a little higher energy. And uh, yeah, I wrote this talking about, you know, writing them in a couple hours or something. I, I wrote this. I came home from playing a gig and you know I you know I was you know sort of still in that mindset of of music and and kind of the thrill of of playing and I sat down at one in the morning and and play and finish this song before like you know before three o'clock and then Pretty passed nice. out cool man and uh, it's it's dedicated to 13 year old me and my crush at the time and in um, middle school and sort of that idea of like losing your childhood innocence at a certain age and realizing that it's not going to be about cars and and um, you know and and technology you know all these things that little you know kids like their iPads and stuff care about you sure. know eventually it's going to be like holy cow I'm into girls now and, <laughs> and and life has changed and so it's sort of about that and that idea of like it sort of just hits you like a train and and you're like, man, why do I have all these feelings like so strongly at this point? So it's it's just kind of taking my emotions from that time in my life and sort of manifesting them as, as sounds. Yeah. <laughs> and hey. words. All right, this one's called Gasoline. I was 13 when your face Burn his place in my heart 
turn less with girls back then than I was with fast cars. I was impressed with the ways you never played by the rules. So I've been in everything I know, and I felt.
your lack of interest in me, boy. Desire burn like gasoline. Burn just like gasoline. Gasoline. Fast cars in daydreams. It's uh, it is c kind of crazy, man. Like, if, too, to think about like how much, what, what we thought was so important then, mm -hmm. and it's like zero relevance today, hardly. You know, it's like, right. yeah, we, but we put so much effort into it, uh, and it's like, I don't know. I, I, if I like, like, for me, uh, probably that around that time, I was like, thought I was gonna go be in the NBA. Uh, you know, I was like playing basketball like every day, all the time, um, and now I couldn't tell you the last time I played basketball. Like it's right. you know, so it's just I still uh, still love the game, but it was you know, I was just like I played for a while, and then I just kind of things change and kind of lost interest in it and haven't. But uh, you know, that's how we grow. We we grow up, you know, and like things change. So yeah, I think. But it, I think that's kind of also the fun of it too is like the some of that some of that innocence you know to where you like like uh you know where we i don't i don't really want to grow up i don't i mean i i do have the the you know i'm married and have a good job and all that stuff but it's like but i still go out to concerts every almost all the time you know and stuff like that I, there's a lot of stuff i the way i live my life that a lot of people don't you know and i, I kind of hold on to that like to where you know we don't we don't always have to like grow up you know we can still go out and have a good time every night and I still could go to work tired every day just but it's more the I'd rather have a bunch of cool stories to tell and stuff like that and then catching up on my DVR and stuff like that you know so <laughs> yeah that's that's how I am too I'm like I can sleep when I'm dead right. you know? that's a pretty famous saying it exactly if, if you don't follow that that thinking then you're you're gonna have a very boring life, you know. Yeah. It's like, I you know, a lot of my friends are like, oh, I gotta work early tomorrow. I'm, I'm you know I gotta get out of here by nine. I'm like, man, my night starts at nine, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and I still have to get up at seven for work tomorrow, you know. And because uh, you know if I you know if I gotta be sleepy at one o'clock so that you know one p.m. at work so that I can have a good you know good time tonight and play some gigs and go to my friends' gigs and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a risk I got to take. <laughs> sure. Well, and as a, as a writer, you know, it's like, you got to live a little life too to have something to write about, so. Right. And, you know, I feel like definitely there, it's like, um, that's when you kind of feel guilty that you, you kind of grew up in a, such an easy time and, and, um, I, you know, I have so much privilege at that point, you know, it's like, you really see it then as a songwriter because, I hear these backstories for a lot of like, um, a lot of um, the people I look up to, you know, like Jason Isbell and, and, and his life growing up and, and you know, we're not parallel. And so that's why I do have to have do a lot, he does a lot of storytelling, but I have to do a lot of storytelling to sort of like make up for the fact that I am a, a white male living, you know, and, and probably the easiest time that's ever, you know, that's ever existed for people. and. And uh, have a lot of privilege there. It's like I've got to really draw from 
empathy and and being uh, empathetic to things and uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, but yeah, living and getting into trouble and and sure. doing stuff helps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. You uh, you were talking about. Uh, cars obviously and gasoline and stuff I was wondering uh, what was your first car my first car that's yeah my first car was a 1995 uh, BMW 525i and the thing looked beautiful but was a piece of junk <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I think my dad ended up getting it for me it was like three grand or something you know so it was like people were like oh it's bmw when you're in high school like that's cool sure. but the um the funny part about it was the locking system was just the the worst i had to get into my car i had to go to the passenger side door and unlock <laughs> it from there and that would unlock all the doors but it wouldn't unlock from the driver's side door right which which came in handy for dates because all the girls thought I was the biggest fan of Because <laughs> I'd have to walk to their side of the door and unlock and right. open it. And I wouldn't let them know. They'd yeah. think, you're just such a gentleman. You always open my door for me. <laughs> Little did they know I had to do that. I couldn't get to the car any other way. Right. <laughs> and one time, uh, one time I drove my brother to school with me. And we got locked in the car. Like it had a governor system on it or something. Whatever they call that. Where the doors, if, if somebody's trying to break in, it'll like lock itself or something i can't i don't remember i don't know what they explained it to me but um we were just sitting there in my car and i was getting ready to get out and all the doors lock and it wouldn't let me unlock from the inside my brother had to like uh i forgot how we got the window i think maybe we turned the car back on and just rolled the windows down my brother had to jump out of the car window <laughs> and unlock it from the outside it didn't make any sense mm, it's crazy so it was it was something else yeah i uh my first uh, car was a 1988 Crown Victoria station wagon. Nice. Um, with wood panels, and uh, yeah, Dad bought it for me and um, wanted me to have a big, safe car and all this stuff. And um, we, I drove the shit out of that car. I uh, we always uh, flaunt, had a you know V8 in there. I would go, I speed everywhere I went and doing all kinds of dumb stuff at 16, like a, like you do. And uh, jumping hills and all kinds of stuff, so the suspension was like all shot and stuff. <laughs> so like it would just had a bouncing all down the road all the time. And I was telling some friends the other day, but uh, they're kind of in a bluegrass band, and I was they reminded me of that song. Um, uh, the the Gordons they do a, a gin and juice cover. Yeah, I love gin and juice. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, that's a good cover too. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a, I remember that one like was a big part of my. High school years there, I'd crank that up, and, and I had that um, and the station wagon had the back window roll down, and I'd bump that out the back window, come up to the school parking lot, and that was uh, <laughs> it was something to see, man. Yeah, those Crown Vicks are underrated, man. Those yeah. are like sleepers. Yeah. You don't realize what's under the hood of those things. Yeah, it was, I mean, it definitely uh, would move for, for such a big car and stuff. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, man. We used to do a lot of a lot of dumb stuff. I, <laughs> I took like uh, thirteen people to the bowling alley one time in it. Thirteen, yeah. We nice. packed we packed them in, and then, uh, yeah, I don't think that was legal, but we it, it happened. But it was fun, man. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, well, there was a there was a lot of a lot of good times in that car. We we used to have like um, I got this like uh, plastic rat like Halloween decoration. 
and I, I had that um, duct tape to my hood ornament and I, and I I would drive around with that and then like when you're you know going down the highway and stuff it would like lay down because it was flimsy plastic or rubber and um, and then like I come to the stoplight and it was like bounce back <laughs> up and stuff and people would like look in their mirror and stuff what the hell was that Dude, that's awesome yeah so it was a uh, it was definitely uh, like I said turned some heads people wondering what the hell was going on with that car and those are some exciting times man yeah uh, yeah I remember I got I probably got pulled over five or six times within like <laughs> a couple months of owning my car um, one of them was just because we were we were having an uh, engine revving con- uh, uh, competition in uh, Ronnie's parking lot the movie theater oh yeah and uh and the cops were like, I mean, how could they not, like, stop one of us? And I had the fanciest. One time I got pulled over for for being a, a for, uh, because I thought it was a drug dealer for some reason. Oh, yeah? They got me out, searched my whole car. This was in, because um, I used to play a lot of basketball, too. And I was playing in, uh, off of Martin Luther King Drive, and they were like, like, Kid, you don't you don't fit here. They like pulled me over, searched my whole car and everything, and I was like, I swear, man, I just was playing basketball with my friends, and uh, they searched my car and they're like, okay, I guess I guess you were just playing basketball. <laughs> Send me off. But I mean, those are exciting times in life when you're first mobile. You oh know? yeah. And the the world sort of your sandbox, and at that point, you can go anywhere you want. We got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's give him another one. Uh, a song called Roll On Home, uh, performed live here, acoustic. Is this, uh, and this also looking like it's going to make the record? Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. um, I think just, um, kind of the, the rhythm and everything, people really, really have sort of vibed with it. Um, the, the lyrics aren't as, as meaningful to me, I guess, um, but, the idea of it is, and it's based on that. This one of my favorites saying, "A Rolling Stone gathers no moss," and because uh, a lot of times I feel like that, you know, it's it's hard. I have a hard time keeping girlfriends and stuff, and just because I'm always on the move, and and um, and so I kind of I kind of identify with that a little bit, and some other people in my life I feel like are major Rolling Stones, and so um, the whole idea for that is like. You know what happens when that stone reaches the bottom, you know, because there's a stone's being pulled by something, you know, and in real life physics, it's gravity. And eventually there's going to, it's going to hit the bottom. And at that point, like, you know, you have to be ready to hit bottom. So that's like where the line's like, when you reach the bottom of the hill and there's too much pain for you to kill, you know, yourself and uh, feels like the end of the road, you know, rolling home. So it's like, it's just sort of based on that. And I think it turned out really well as an idea. Um, so I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, man. Very nice. All right, this one's called Rolling Home. Well, your heart has been drawn to the place you walk, the cities and the towns you've never been.
mind always takes you where it goes Maybe it's time to put some ice on that stone In the bottom, no left for you to roll So roll on home Trying to figure out this life Looking up to God and asking Him why But the answers are written in stone this time And the stars, they don't always align That's just a lie When you reach the bottom of the hill And there's too much pain left to kill And it feels like the end of the road Then roll on home Then roll on home So pick up the pieces you've been carrying for so long Find someone to help you along Cause you can't roll through this life On your own, we all need Somewhere where we belong So roll on home When you reach the bottom of the hill And there's too much pain left to kill Let's talk about some of your shows. You can come see uh, Andrew play some of these songs live. We do have uh, every Thursday now. You have a little uh, residency over at 1860 Saloon. Yep, 1860's Bar and Saloon, 6 to 8. Yep, and then uh, say every Thursday. Uh, and then we, um, we have coming up uh, March 29th at uh, Edgewild in Chesterfield area. Yep, that'll be with Tim Perry too. So it'll be Tim Perry and I. You guys, uh, you guys do a lot together, or is it? Uh, we do Edge Wild, and I think we got we need to do more things together. Yeah. Really, I, I really like Tim. So, do you guys like collaborate or just alternate? Uh, sometimes or? we out there. We we alternate. We yeah. do thirty minutes, thirty minutes. Uh, we both like singing and playing. Yeah. But he's a really good lead guitar player, and um, so 
He usually at the end of the night will play like all along the watchtower or something, and he'll play lead to it. Nice. It's a lot of fun. He uh, he he'll show up to eighteen uh, sixties every once in a while too and play lead guitar for me, which is a lot of fun. But he's just a very talented musician. Yeah. And then uh, on the next night, March thirtieth at Irish Corner Pub, and he said this one will be uh, full band, Andrew and the Dolls. Yeah, full band. That's the same night, I think. Oh, it is. Yeah, Friday night. Yeah. It's the 29th, 29th, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'll be going from, yeah, I'll be oh, going doing? from Edgewild. No, I think it's like 5 to 7. Okay. And then from there I'll be headed to Irish Corner Pub for the for the band game. A late night shift, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we'll be playing till 1. Yeah. Those, those are always fun nights. That's a, that's a cool little spot. I like uh, Irish Corner Pub a lot over there. It's a, it's a fun thing. Yeah, it's, it's I think there's always dogs in there, so it's dog friendly. <laughs> yeah. I like going anywhere that's dog friendly. I saw something uh, for St. Pat's. One of the some dog uh, had like a green mohawk going and stuff. But nice. yeah, I guess he's kind of a regular over there. But uh, yeah, he's like a big big poodle. And it was yep, it, saw him the other night. Yeah. Where I was there on Wednesday hosting their open mic, and yeah, and he was <laughs> the big poodle was there. He's always staring people down. Right. But he's a he's a he's a good dog. Yeah. He looks real scary because he's a big old poodle. <laughs> right. And for some reason, poodles just look scary. <laughs> you ever notice that? Like, when you don't know a poodle, it's this big old yeah. dog. And they've got, like, very human-esque eyes. So when they're staring at like, you can feel a poodle staring at you. Because, like, human instinct is, like, to know when people are looking at you. And so you'll, like, be looking across, across the room and be like, holy crap, that's a dog staring at yeah. me. You know, they got human hair and everything. And, and uh, they're usually the sweetest dogs, but they're just, sure. when they're staring you down, it's scary. <laughs> you uh let, yeah let's talk about the band a little bit you um oh yeah i would love to talk about the band let's uh who are some of the guys that are playing with you so i've got uh brent feldman he's he's plays lead guitar for me i've got josh Ribery, he plays drums audrey kwong she plays uh the violin and um andrew manger plays bass for me and uh so it's sort of like the we're the five um, main characters, I guess, and then we'll have some supportive characters every once in a while, and yeah, to make things fun. I guess that's the the beauty of Andrew and the Dolls is it doesn't narrow us down to anybody. Everybody, anybody could be the doll. So. <laughs> you, uh... but they're all very talented. Um, Audrey Kwong works for um, St. Louis Symphony. She does the um, a lot of the like the logistics and stuff there, like kind of coordinates everything, and uh, so she's she's sort of like the musical. Um, Nazi, I guess, if you will, and <laughs> make sure everything, everything is up to par. Um, and you know, she'll sit there and nitpick at recordings, which I love her for that. So, thank God for Audrey. Yeah. You uh, out of these people you've you've known a long time, or you just kind of met through playing out now, or? Um, Brent has been with me sort of from the beginning of me sort of deciding I want to embark on this journey, and he used to be my boss at Matchbox Design Group. So he's he's a co-owner of that. Um, and I used to intern there when I was leaving college. And so, and then he saw a video of me playing like John Mayer's uh, My Stupid Mouth or something online. And it had a bunch of my guitars in the background because I got a pretty extensive guitar collection. And he's like, man, you have more guitars than me. We need a jam. And that sort of turned into like, oh, we, we sound pretty good together with him playing lead and me just writing songs and so it sort of took off from there. Josh Rivera, my drummer, ended up moving in with me. He was good friends with my old roommate 
and needed a place to stay. He was moving down from Chicago. He was in a band there playing um, punk rock. And so I was like, dude, it's going to be a lot different. <laughs> folk, folk rock is a lot different than punk rock. And so he's sort of been making that transition. And, uh, but he lived with me, so it gave us a good opportunity to sort of bond and, and get stuff going. And then Audrey met through Gaslight. And I was going to their open mics and stuff, and she was showing up there. She had, she had just moved here from California. And um, so she hopped on board, and then Andrew sort of was another one I sort of picked up at an open mic night. He was playing bass for people and playing viola. He plays viola as well, and he's very musically talented as well. He can pretty much pick up an instrument and play it. Yeah. He's very impressive. But we only had a spot for a bass at that point. I'm like, if you want to play bass for us, that'd be great. It's not as first or second instrument so it's pretty talented to be able to, to do that that, that gaslight man that's like the the hub right now for all kinds of people meeting over there and that's it's like it's really cool that we have something like that in our community where that's uh, you know the you can record you can jam over there you can meet all kinds of people and it's like it just seems like it's always players just hanging out at the bar and stuff and everybody's everybody's meeting and networking and everything else and yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I try and go there every Sunday. We're recording some of our songs there. Oh, nice. So we kind of have a partly in this studio and then partly at Gaslight. And uh, Rick Wagner is over there helping us with that. Yeah. And he's awesome. Um, Shout out to Rick. Yeah, you know Rick. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we, uh, we've we talked a couple times over Gaslight, done a few different podcasts over there and stuff. And yeah, he's a real nice guy. Yeah, I really like Rick. He's going to come borrow my bass tomorrow, I think. <laughs> he was like, anybody get a bass? And I was like, I've got an opportunity to help this man out. I'm going to do it. Because he's he's done a lot for me. So, really excited. We, we went to, uh, him and I went to Jason, or not Jason Isbell, but um, um, Tyler Childers together. A Tyler Childers concert. Oh, yeah. He was coming over and helped me with some scratch tracks. And then uh, he said something about Tyler Childers. And I was like, man, I want to go see Tyler Childers. But I can't find anybody. He's like, dude, Sam. And t- tickets at that point were like, they were being sold originally for like uh, like 20 bucks or something. And, but they but they had all sold out and they were for resale. I think we ended up paying 50 something dollars a ticket, each of us. So, but it was a great time. We had a good time. Yeah. Snowed like hell. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad dude, man. He's, uh, Tyler's coming on strong uh, recently. I love Tyler Chillers, yeah. Um, really excited about his, his path and yeah is that something you want to kind of get get towards something like that or you know um, my song Heavy Eyes sort of has his sort of influence definitely Hmm. Um, I was playing a lot of Tyler Chiller's covers and I think when I I got the idea I was for a while um, I was having this girl like haunt my dreams and when I went, when I sat down to really write this idea of like going to being afraid to go to sleep because you're gonna have feelings for somebody that you wouldn't have otherwise, you know, because everybody's had those dreams where you go to sleep, a girl from your past like shows up in your dreams from you know years before, and then you wake up and you're like, ah, no, I have feelings for this girl. Like when I, I shouldn't, but I do, and um, and it, for some reason when I sat down and wrote the lyrics, uh, when I was playing it, I was like. I was really kind of feeling a Tyler Childers vibe, and I kind of just rolled with it and let it be, and and I think it I think it turned out well. So yeah, yeah. There's a little video of of Heavy Eyes on YouTube, right? Yeah, you can find that on YouTube. I did it just here in the studio, and 
just acoustically. Yeah. I did that one. I did Roll On Home and um, Muddy Waters. So Yeah, go uh, head over there and click subscribe. Keep an eye out for uh, some more, some more stuff awesome. coming soon. And uh, follow along with Andrew and the Dolls on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you can keep up to more dates and stuff coming there. You uh, you were saying you, you were listening to the uh, the Hunter Peebles episode. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah. Yeah. You said uh, he's become a buddy of yours, too, uh, playing around town? Uh, yeah. Yeah. When you pull, when I pulled up my, my app on my phone, yeah, he, his was up. Yeah, and I was listening to that one. Not too long ago, and um, him and I met going to. I was going to see Adam Gaffney at Livery Company, and um, he he was opening for him or something. He played a couple of John Prine tunes, and I was like, "Man, we're gonna get along." <laughs> I'm a huge John Prine fan. He played that, and um, funny enough, Adam Gaffney, um, Tim Levy, and I went to a, the Jason Isbell show here at the um, at the Peabody. Which is now the Stifle Center, yeah. and um, Adam Gaffney had gotten his tickets way ahead of time. I couldn't get tickets near him, so Tim Levy and I got tickets up in the um, uh, the mezzanine, and and um, we we take our seats. We take and I'm sitting there. I'm talking to Tim. All of a sudden, I hear I feel a tap on my shoulder. I look over. Hunter is sitting right next to me. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what are the chances? I could have picked any two seats. Right. What are two what are the chances we're sitting like right next to each other? So it was pretty funny. So Adam was like, dude, there's seats next to me. Come down here. I was like, dude, I found Hunter. We're good. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're gonna hang up here with Hunter. Sorry, Adam. Hey. I would have liked to go down there, but it was mid-show, so Yeah. We did uh that was kind of reminds me. I saw uh Sturgill Simpson at uh at the Fox. Yeah, oh yeah. He's and he had at that point he had just like just fired his guitar player. Oh really? So he played as a four piece and like, you know, I, I'd listened to those records and stuff. I didn't never had seen him live before, so I didn't realize that. And I knew he had the guitar player, but I didn't realize that he could shred as much as he does. And like, <laughs> but like, man, yeah, he's a really talented guy. And like, I mean, that record uh, is killer. I mean, all of his stuff is, but that. Uh, in bloom cover i really dig a lot like just the fact that he completely changed it and made yeah. it his own and stuff like we were kind of talking about that off mic that being able to do some of that and like and uh, it's one that for sure like you know you have no idea like it's a nirvana song and stuff like yeah i mean it takes a lot of talent to really take somebody else's work yeah. and make it very much i mean almost as much yours as it is theirs you know and i think some artists do it really well and yeah, but anyway, yeah, kudos I was, to them. Yeah, so anyway, I'm at the I'm at the Fox that night with I, I went with I can't remember now who I went with, but that was like the whole crowd was like all my buddies, like so like we're all like you know when and then like getting to our seats and stuff, we're just running into all people we know, like hey, hey you know, so hugs and high fives all around and stuff. So it was really cool to experience that, like you're saying with the friends and, and having a bunch of friends in that in the room mm-hmm. and stuff. And there's there's like guys like that, like you know, like Isabel and and Sturgill and stuff like. Those guys, like all these other guys, are fans of other writers and stuff. So we all want to go see them when they come mm-hmm. to town and things. So it's always a cool, cool night out when you can go hang with a bunch of buddies at the show. It, it it's yeah, it's fun, and I think there's something cool about those those level of artists that are not superstars, you know. And um, 
you sort of get a better, a bigger like density of like artists, like small artists like us, like sort of um, really identifying with them. So I think you know that's where you get that that large population of other artists going to these shows because you know they're not you don't get like mega fans from like you know it's not a Taylor Swift concert where you have like a million thirteen year old girls sure. going. You know it's a lot of these guys hit home, home to a lot of musicians, so you get a big. A, you know, high density of musicians going to these shows, and yeah. so you're you're bound to run into them. So I think that's cool. I imagine that'll be a lot of uh, the same story at the uh, John Prine show coming up too. Oh my gosh! Don't bring it up, man. <laughs> I booked a show that night. Oh yeah. I'm like really upset about it. Because yeah. I went to buy tickets, and I was like, oh man, I'm getting these tickets, and then I was like, I should before I click confirm purchase. I should uh, check my schedule. And sure enough, man, yeah. I got a gig at 9 o'clock or something that night. And uh, I'm kicking myself. I don't cancel gigs. You know, yeah. One of my big things is being very reliable and, and not canceling things. So I'm like, oh, I'm really torn. Because I missed him when he came, what, two years ago? Was It It wasn't last year. It was like maybe two or three years. Maybe yeah. three years ago. Something like, I know, I know he played Roots and Blues in Columbia, like, last year. Oh, yeah, he did do that. But I don't think stuff, he's been. Yeah, in San, I don't know about being in St. Louis. But, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully uh, they'll announce some other stuff around. You can come, you make another one. I'm hoping. Hopefully he keeps <laughs> kicking. Yeah. Sorry. John, if for some reason you're still, you're watching this, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Sorry to say this, but you're getting old, man. I hope to, I hope to see you soon because I've never seen him live. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan, and I've. It's just like every time he comes to town, it's just like something's going on. Mm-hmm. And every time I get this sick feeling in my stomach, like this better not be the last time. I mean, uh, it, it's way different. But I went to go see uh, one of my favorites, uh, um, uh, I'm blanking on his last name now. He's a comedian. Uh, oh, I wouldn't know comedians. Uh, I'm so bad with comedian shit, names. Anyway. The house is uh I'm having a brain fart. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. It's probably not good to say it's one of your favorites and then you can't think of his name name. Uh I do that all oh, the time, man. Tim Tim Wilson. Uh there it is. Uh so I went he was at uh the the Valley Park Funny Bone, whenever that was still a thing. And he uh he he, it was like a Sunday night show, and not a lot of people showed up. And but I guess it was enough to where they were like, all right, we're gonna do like a half a show kind of thing. So he did like, you know, half an hour set or something like that instead of like his regular headlining hour or whatever it was. And so I'm glad I got to see something. But he like passed like a week later or something oh, like that. So like, uh, and it was really like, it really sucked, man. That's like stinks that like the time I got to see him wasn't. You know, wasn't wasn't a, wasn't a proper experience, right. but you know, I'm glad that I did get to see him at least something. But uh, yeah, it was uh, you know that's kind of the thing, man. You never know. Like that's the again how I why I live my life the way I do because you never know when your time's up. So you never know. Yeah, man. That's so, what a lot of BB uh, King people like fans sure. say. Towards the end of his life, they're like, it wasn't BB King there, but we still saw him. You know, it's like oh, yeah. at the end, he was like, they he's he's not really. It is, you know, he's far past his prime, and he was yeah. kind of out of it at that point. And people are like, I'm just glad I went. I paid a ton of money for tickets because 
everybody sort of knew it was coming. And I saw, uh, I mean, the same thing with Chuck Berry, man. Like, I I'd saw him a couple of times. Uh, took my mother-in-law. It was kind of a, a, you know, thing for her. She really wanted to see him before he, he passed. And and I went with, and, you know, it's it was okay. But, like, it's just definitely not the same show. But it's, like, it's still a piece of rock and roll history, man. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, so... Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's close this thing out with uh, a snippet of of the record. Uh, get everybody hyped up about this. We uh, we have a song we're ready to give a little teaser for called Freight Train. Freight Train, yeah. And uh, anything we need to know about this one? Uh, Gavin M's playing banjo on it, um, and it's just sort of a feel good. You're on a freight train sort of song. There's a sadder twist towards the end, which you won't get to in the snippet, but. Yeah, I think I'll just head on into town. Find a freight train headed westbound. Hop aboard and sit on down. Ride that train into the blue till I find my way. I'm on this freight train headed, headed west out of old St. Louis. Got a one-way ticket, bags are packed. I'm hopping state lines, and I ain't never coming back without you. Which I think if I can never write too happy of a song. It's one of my my flaws. Right. (laughs) It's always like, when I was writing, I was like, all right. The last verse, I was like, you know, they could either end up together or it could be a bust. You know, and it turns out I, I wrote in a way that, like, none of the beginning actually even happens. Mm. It's all just been in his mind. But, like, you know, but but you wouldn't know if you didn't if you didn't really pay attention to the words. And so it's one of those songs when I play it live, you can see kids kind of bouncing their heads or adults as well. But it's funnier to see kids doing it because they'll be listening to some of my singer-songwriter stuff and, you know... It'll get to freight trains, like, you know, like a, that's a terrible representation of it. But like, this is, you know, just like this really good train beat, like, uh, and you know, you can see people kind of getting into it and it's, it's just a fun tune, I think. Yeah. That, um, you, you listen to much, uh, Aaron Lewis at all? You ever heard of any of stuff? He, you know, obviously was huge, was, was stained, uh, when they were real popular in the late nineties and stuff. And, but he, I mean, all that stained songs are all super depressing songs, yeah. you know, like, they're all, like, really, you know, beefed up rock songs, but, like, the lyrics are super dark and depressing and and things, and then, uh, but anyway, so I saw him one night at the pageant, and he uh, was doing, because some of his stuff's more country now, and some of it's a little more kind of lighthearted, uh, kind of, you know, fit country radio, but they're still... A lot of the stuff he was doing was still like stained songs, just doing them um, on acoustic and stuff. Style, yeah. yeah, but anyway, he was doing did one, and he goes, "So I fucked up, and I wrote a happy song." And yeah, it like and it just made me laugh the way he like said like just that idea that like you know because like everything he wrote was so depressing, but he finally wrote a happy one and stuff. But yeah, I think it's I think it's tough. It's it's I think it'd be interesting to look to see the style of songs people write, and then kind of look at like. Like, a lot of my... Because I have so much failed love stories, you know? And it's like... I can I have the hardest time writing a love story. I think the only one I really have 
I've done For You, which is like an old one that I wrote uh, like when I was starting to write songs. And still, it's like the first song I ever posted. And, um, but I wrote a good one called Well I Know, which you can find on Gaslight's Showcase or whatever. They did a video of me doing it in their studio. And I think that's the only one I've written where I'm like, I don't know how I wrote that one. Like, it's so far from anything I've experienced love-wise. <laughs> you know, I'm in, I'm in the mindset of somebody else here, for sure. Because every other love one, I, I'll start, I'll want to write a love song. Because I'm like, people want to hear love songs, you know. When people, there's been so many, you know, girls who've heard my music and like, why don't they, why don't they ever end happy? I'm like, I would like to do that for you guys. But like, it's just tough. <laughs> you know, when you've got this like, everything's pretty cynical in your brain, you know, about, about love stories. It's like, it's tough not to put that twist on at the end where something bad happens. And, uh, but yeah. Yeah, man. Well, very cool. This has been a, a whole lot of fun, man. I really am glad you, uh, you agreed to do this, take some time out to hang and get to know a little more about what you're up to. Uh, again, keep an eye out all over the social media. We got, uh, this record coming soon hopefully we'll have it all um, cleaned up and ready to roll this summer so i'm excited to, to hear it for sure man yeah man well thanks for having me this is awesome it's a good i mean i've like i said i've been listening to all your podcasts well i haven't listened to all 600 of them <laughs> a lot of the recent ones i should say and i'm uh, just really excited that you know you're having me on and i get to be a part of it yeah man absolutely uh, and i would love to do it again sometime summer or whatever whenever we get the record's ready to roll something like that Sweet. I would love that man debut some new tunes on here or something so yeah that'd be great yeah man well cool uh, well thank you Andrew uh, and bye everybody yeah see you guys <laughs> thanks for tuning in rock, rock paper podcast rock paper podcast rock paper podcast well yeah that was it